Welcome back to another episode of Sharing Knowledge Series. I'm Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer at Westfield Bank and your host. Today we'll be discussing new construction, remodels, renovations, and the importance of staying ahead of supply chain. Please join us for this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Sharing Knowledge. I'm your host, Kevin Vondero, and today we're gonna to be talking about construction projects and really around what are the challenges with, with supply chain issues. Uh, we have two great guests with us here, here today, and, and our first one is Carlin Colbertson from Mean and More. Carlin, why don't you talk a little bit about yourself and, and what you do at Mean and More? Yeah, so I've um, been with Mean and More for 17 years. Uh, Mean and More is a CPA firm. We have a specialization in uh, construction companies. You know, CPA on the assurance side, and we get a lot into the uh, analysis and kind of consulting with contractors on do things make sense and, you know, do you want to kind of change things up, especially like with the supply chain costs. Sure. And, you know, they look to us for advice. So I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about that today uh, as we go through the episode. And we have Jason Winkler with us from... Uh, Summit Construction Company. Jason, tell us a little bit about your, yourself and your role with Summit Construction. Great. Thanks for having me today, Kevin. Uh, Jason Winkler, I'm, as you said, I'm the president of Summit Construction Company. Uh, we're based in Akron. Um, we have offices in Columbus and Cleveland as well. All commercial construction. Uh, we've been around since the early 90s and do a lot of schools and healthcare, retail, multifamily, and uh, really all over the state of Ohio. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you both for joining us here today. And, and Jason, I, I guess I'll, I'll start with you. As you're looking at new projects and customers are, are coming to you, is it more new construction? Is it, is it remodeling? What, what's, what's the mix you're seeing out there? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of everything, to be honest with you. Um, I, I will say that you know there's a lot more analysis that's going into these projects. It's not simply, hey, we're out of space now and let's go build a new building. It's yeah. you know, We're looking at with material costs increasing and, and labor, you know, there's um, there's more dollars there. So, sure. you know, we're we're looking at new construction still as well, but it's just a lot more analysis. But all three renovations, additions, and new construction. Okay, good. And and, and you mentioned analysis, and Carlin, I'm sure that comes to you, uh, comes yeah. to play to you, or a lot of people or customers are coming to you for that analysis and, and talking through really about uh, the process of of going through a construction process or, or, or budget yeah yeah and um, you know we typically recommend when you get into the more detailed costs you know you work with the somebody like Jason and you know they have the most current up-to-date information and then we can get involved in the sense of you know when you start to take those numbers and what makes sense when you mix in maybe financing or you know what are the long-term benefits or even out into the future like what what are your what are your plans for what you're doing sure. like why are you doing it and um you know can that be accomplished some other way um in either in the short term or you know or the long-term benefits and you know sitting down and putting that information together and talking through you know, next steps and what makes sense. Sure. When, when people are looking at coming or, or starting a project, what, what type of time frame does that typically take? Um, Jason, when, when, you're, when you're working with clients. Yeah, it's all over the place. And, and you know, when it comes to time frames, my recommendation is um, start it as soon as you can, yeah. right? Because things are certainly taking longer. It's, it's, it's taking longer to get materials and you got to have a more detailed plan in place um, prior to pulling the trigger on a certain project. So 
Um, and entitlements, you know, I don't think there's been much change over the last couple of years there. I think there's uh, these communities are still looking for growth and, and they're yeah. supportive of growth. So from that aspect, it's pretty consistent where it's um, where it was at before. But now it's it's you got to start the conversations a lot sooner. Sure. And get a plan in place. Sure. And, and Carlin, maybe talk about some of the challenges you've seen or, or obstacles uh, you, you've been a part of or had to help clients overcome as, as they started a project. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, some of the things that come up, especially with trying to buy materials sooner or where do you put them? What are some of the carrying costs of having those materials up front? Um, you know, we may not get too involved in it, but if you're not doing that, planning ahead kind of with your contracts and your change orders to, to protect yourself, and that's more of an attorney type thing, but we can always help point them in the general direction. You know, materials escalation is a big thing. So, um, you know, those, those are some of the challenges. And then even labor or just staying on top of a project is, is a big thing that we preach these days, whereas in the past, things may have been good. You don't need to pay as much attention to the details because it'll work out in the end. Whereas these days with the, the uncertainty and how things may go, um, if you're not looking at it, it can come to turn around and, and bite sure. you on the back end pretty sure. bad. Well, Jason, I got to imagine you guys are experts in, in, in project management. Maybe talk a little bit about what you guys do as, yeah. as you go through that process. You know, as Carlin said, it, it's, it's communication. Um, I'll tell you whether it's the pandemic or, you know, the world we're living in with, um, you know, material shortages and whatnot. Um, it's made us a better company because we, we've had to sharpen our pencil on how we communicate. We're, we're, we're getting involved earlier. We're pricing. We're keeping the pulse of the subcontractor market so we can guide our clients from day one, right? When the design starts to put pencils to paper from those first days, we have the pulse of where this project's at. And that's, again, one of the benefits of getting involved early. But it's not as simple as you sign a contract with a roofer and say, okay, three or four months down the road, we're going to get those materials. It's weekly. It's constant com uh, yeah. communication with those guys to to make sure that they're getting their materials when they need them and, and it's fitting into our schedule. So communication is everything. And it's it's both from the subcontractor all the way up through the owner. And and that's really what we pride ourselves on is, is that open communication, that transparency. Um, and, and that's where I see projects in these in this climate as win-win as is when it's constant communication. We don't like surprises. We don't like to surprise our clients. And exactly what Carlin was saying is, um, you got to make more phone calls and you got to be more proactive with it for it to be a successful project. Sure. Yeah, and to kind of follow up with that, you know, the, what we get asked a lot too is just that capturing that data to be able to do kind of that analysis and, you know, to stay on top of that roofer and what information do you need to be looking at to even sure. know that there's something to follow up on. So helping set some of that up is, is, is huge and, um, you know, it's one of those things that, you would think everybody would be looking at that, but sometimes yeah. you're just trying to, you know, you're trying to make money to pay your bills, and it's one of those things that you don't necessarily have the time to call your subcontractors or suppliers. Yeah. But these days, it's it's more and more important. Yeah. So, how closely do you work with the customer and, and maybe the, the contractor in a, in a project? Um, so typically, you know, we'll, we've with our construction industry clients, we work more with them on kind of protecting themselves in the sense sure. of like, keep these things in mind. Here are some tools to put in place to, to monitor what's going on so you can see if there is a potential problem. Um, 
you know, providing the communication between accounting and project management sure. so that the project managers have information that helps them manage their projects and then vice versa. Accounting has the information they need to be able to kind of look for, you know, are, are we heading into a ditch or to sound the alarm or is everything okay? Um, so, you know, th that's where we get involved. Typically, if we have a, a customer who's building a project, sometimes we'll get involved in the sense of we see a lot of projects via what we do. Yeah. And, um, you know, they may, this may be the only building they build for the next 30 years. So just kind of that advisory, hey, keep sure. this in mind, ask about this. Hey, what, what's going to happen if materials go up? Are you going to be the one that takes on the risk? Is somebody else? Yeah. So both ways, but probably more so on the contractor side. Gotcha. I think both of you mentioned the, the, the word pandemic. I mean, how has that come to play with supply chain issues and, and what should customers be aware of and, and expecting out there? You know, when you start talking material lead times, again, it goes back to my previous comments about you got to start the process sooner and you got to keep a constant pulse because we, we've seen it being very volatile, whether it's lumber or steel, those prices are up and down. So having a good contractor and a good design team in place sure. um, from day one is is really where we see it, again, mutually beneficial to um, keep the pulse of where these, these materials are and the pricing associated with it. And pandemic-wise, we see it's a good time to have a conversation about um, business continuity and just you know if maybe this exact same thing doesn't happen again but if something similar were to happen what would you do differently than you did before and kind of building that into your processes and procedures now sure. so you're it's easier to absorb something you know there because in the future there may not be ppp loans there may not be employee retention credits and some of the other stimulus money that came out so say that didn't exist what would have happened and how would you have dealt with it? So no. we have those conversations with clients in the sense of, you know, it's a good opportunity to learn and plan for the future. No, that's a good point because part of your role, especially when you're working with contractors, is, is how can you make them more bankable or if they're getting into bonded jobs, how can they do more bonded work from, from that standpoint? And, and is there any tricks out there or tips that you can give companies? There's a benefit to being conservative and kind of yeah. having pickups later on. But, you know, if, if you're going to be looking to get a large bond in the future or, um, you know, you're, there's going to be some type of transition where you need to borrow to buy out existing partners. Yeah. Within reason, you know, being more moderate so that your current year statements and things are more representative of what the profit on those jobs actually are. Um, and just, there are some different things. It's just, you know, what can you keep that's current assets versus long-term and cash flow management, different things like that, especially if you know something's going to be happening because it's the same thing as if you're selling your business. Like if you know down the road you're gonna sell, you're gonna do things a little differently for the few years before because People are going to be looking at those years and you want to sure. present yourself in the best light. Kind of work with companies in the sense of, you know, just keep these things in mind. What the worst thing is, is that somebody already does something and then they come to us and it's, 
hey, we did this, and now we're getting pushback from the bank or the bonding company. How do we fix it? And it's like, well, the way to fix it would have been to have never done it that way in the first place. Yeah. But we don't have a time machine. So, yeah, and that makes it tougher. So, but yeah, as Jason said, just communication up front. Yeah. Hey, we're thinking about selling to the next generation in the next five years. And then yeah. you can start planning for that. Well, being a banker, I know the, the worst uh, words you hear is, they just want to let you know what we did. And then yeah. you always, we always wonder what's, what's that next phrase that's going to come after it. So yeah. I think you're right. Communication is, is key um, but, to, to all relationships. Yeah. I also say relationships too. I mean, you know, you have sometimes the pandemic was good in the sense that it exposed, you know, how was your relationship with your service providers? And if you're searching for the lowest price all the time, that probably came through when you needed them and they weren't there. No. And, you know, we've gotten a lot of complaints about clients with their banks that did things a certain way and then other ones that were fantastic during no. the pandemic. And, you know, it's one of those things to consider also. Yeah. So just to add to that, the pandemic really, um, it made us sharpen our pencil to really improve our processes. We have to communicate better. We have to be able to talk to clients. Hey, no we're not able to get this material when you thought we were, when we originally put together this plan. So how do we show in their light that that's why you're hiring us. That's the value we're bringing. We can communicate. We're going to come up with a, an alternative plan there. So we, we took the pandemic. I mean, yes, there was a lot of um, road bumps along the way, but we used it as a, as a way to improve what we do. Sure. And I think coming out of the pandemic, we're, we're certainly a better company, but that, that it's all rooted in communication. Wow. Now, now we talked a little bit about, supply chain issues and you know, like delivery of, of materials being delayed. Now you throw in rising interest rates into the mix and, and it's like the trifecta, right, of, of things right. that can happen. So Jason, talk, talk a little bit about what, has that had an impact to your business right now or, or maybe is it caused people to, to make a decision or, or move a little quicker because rates are, are going up and, and what do you see? What kind of impact in the future? I, I kind of see it both ways, right? We 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 have a different, diverse set of clients, um, but I've definitely heard folks trying to get a project into their pipeline and get it financed and get it rolling because the interest rates are sure. historically low still, um, and there are some other uncertainties down the road with you know the, the war in Ukraine and whatnot. So we've seen that. We've also seen some clients say, "Let's take a step back. Maybe we're going to phase this project. Maybe let, let's." Let's move forward with a, a phased approach. Um, maybe it's a renovating of an existing facility with adding on down the road. So again, going back to a lot more analysis these days with, sure. these, with these projects. So um, it's interesting times, but I, I do still see a ton of op, uh, opportunities out there, a lot of op, uh, optimism around that as well. Sure. And then, and then Carlin, what are rising interest rates, how do you see that impacting yeah. construction companies? Um, and it, it will, and it depends on kind of what they do. And a lot of the successful contractors don't typically borrow a lot, but you know, the, a lot of the the projects they work on are financed. Yeah. Most people don't have you know twenty million dollars hanging out. Or we've mentioned to our clients is that um, you know, as job owners and people are thinking about doing buildings, it's keeping in mind like why are they doing it, and kind of. Um, you know, don't rush just because prices are going up or rates are going up um, because that's not why you were building the building in the first place or whatever you're doing or renovating. You know, it's not like, hey, you know what? Rates are really low. Let's spend some money. No. 
So most successful businesses don't necessarily operate like that. It's a, it, it may affect the timing a little bit, but you know we, we talk about that. Um, but also, too, is just being aware of it and kind of updating some of the analysis they may have done in the past with equipment lease versus buy and um, you know what's the potential cash flow from this new addition and factoring in what might happen with rates and how's that going to eat into sure. it. Okay. So. Okay. Now, now as costs go up, uh, interest rates go up, it's going to be harder and harder for projects to stay on budget. Uh, Jason, what, what do you, how do you help customers or process that or, or, or get through those those challenges? Yeah, and again, it's it's communication. So, and, and keeping the pulse of our subs, I think we have a really great relationship with our subcontractors and enable to to see okay if concrete's going up or steel. We're, we're constantly talking to those guys, so we have the pulse. So when a client wants to, you know, start down the road of a, pursuing a project. We have some real-time data for them. That's sure. again the benefit of getting your your design team, your construction team involved before pencils are put to paper is is such a win-win for everyone. It's a healthy way to to have that team, and um, but it's at the end of the day we're keeping that client abreast of where the market's at, where things sure. are at, where pricing's at, where materials. Um, we're able to put together those game plans up front. So again, it goes back to communication and no. starting early and. So no, it, it, as costs keep uh, keep rising, and one one challenge is, is is how do you manage the contingencies in a in a in a project? So maybe Jason, talk a little bit more about that, and what should what should customers expect as far as contingency expenses? Yeah, so I would highly recommend you know, and a lot, contingencies could be you know, sliced and diced a couple different ways sure. with design contingency and estimating contingency, a construction contingency, um, and it starts you know on day one talking to the owner and their expectations, but um, recently, we've done a couple projects where we have escalation contingencies. Sure. So yeah. we want the subcontractors to price it where it's at today and, and really educate the owner and, and the whole team on this is where the market's at, this is where we're kind of seeing, we, we think it may go up, but let the owner hold that contingency. Um, that way you're getting real pricing here and as, a, as we continue to communicate and get into you know construction, um, the owner has that pot of money or that sure. contingency. So we've seen a lot of success with with the owners holding those kind of an es escalation contingency through construction. Okay. So, so as a banker, how should banks look at that or prepare for that in, in financing a new project or, or look at that customers, making sure they have the reserves necessary to cover those cost overruns or, or is it to try and build more of that into the financing of, of the, the whole project? We typically see it built in. It's part of okay. the performa sure. and a specific line item as a contingency and you can label it a couple different ways, sure. but highly recommend that. And early on, before you start design, that contingency may be in that 10% range Correct. as the design matures and you kind of solidify what you're going to, so that contingency could you know, shrink once you get into construction. But we see it, uh, you know, upfront with the financing from day one as part of the whole package. Okay. And that way, there's you can you can manage those escalations along the way if you see them. Okay. What What about the draw process? Um, how important is that during a, a, a construction project? Oh yeah, yeah, it's vitally important, right? <laughs> yeah. Our subs like to be paid. We like to be yeah. paid. So making sure we're on the same team with the the um, with the bank with the ownership group. Um, and again, it's upfront communication, setting the expectations. Hey, sure. we're going to draw every 30 days, and it's on a percentage basis, so there's no surprises there. Um, and it's the same thing with our subcontractors, making sure we're diligent, talking to them. So, hey, 
if we're getting some stored materials, let's say we bought roof insulation ahead of time. Sure. And that's shipped and we get it sooner than we thought. Is that owner willing to pay for those materials up front? And again, it goes back to that communication and managing those expectations. But um, we try to stay as consistent as possible to make sure that the owner, the bank, and the financial institution is, is aware when they're going to get these invoices in. And, and then our subs, the same thing, right? So, you know, if, if we submit a draw and it's 30 days till we receive payment, we're making sure we're letting our subs know that as well. Sure. So, again, no surprises. Carlin, anything you want to add to that as far as yeah. for, for construction companies, maybe best practices or things yeah. to look out for? Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of changing with the times. And when you mentioned the draw and, and Jason mentioned stored materials, we see a lot of people buying materials in advance. And you may have a lot of materials that end up on site or in a warehouse that aren't actually being installed yet. And just making sure you can get paid for those. No. Um, you know, and that takes, like Jason said, communication up front. Like, hey, we're going to do this. Is this fine with everybody? Um, and it's just, you know, being aware that you may not, things may not operate like they always have sure. at this point. And trying to be up front with that and try to um, contingency plan based off of what might happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the goal is to get to get paid and something we always look for when we're talking to clients um, is our jobs. Um, are you sending, able to send bills? Are you billing for the work you're doing? Or are you behind? Are you overbilled, underbilled? Um, and that can tell you a lot about how the, the, the project's being run. Yeah. yeah. So I, I know one thing we've seen at the bank is a lot more customers coming to us to maybe lift those limits on, on inventory advances off lines of credit just because of supply chain issues. And, and they know they can buy something in bulk or, or something close to it and have access to it and, and, and do that uh, pretty quickly. Are you seeing that from... Any, I, I don't be, might yeah. be a little bit different with, with uh, contractors, but have you seen any of that? Financing those material purchases up front has come up quite a bit. And, um, you know, and we advise to, like, don't do it yourself. Try to get the money from somewhere else. So don't eat into your line to buy materials unless you absolutely have to. Um, you know, something that hasn't necessarily come up too much in the construction industry, but we've seen, like, manufacturers do in the past is, hedging materials mm -hmm. in the sense of buying commodities, futures, or something like that to try to reduce some of that risk um, that steel may go up or, or along those lines. The problem with that is, you know, if you're more reactive, like it steel's going up and you want to go buy one of these things, it's going to cost yeah. you a lot more money. Whereas if it's kind of just one of your standard practices where you have these contracts and you, and you hedge the materials as you kind of go along. So... You know, that's come up a little bit, but hasn't been heavily adopted yet. You know, it could be something that comes down the road. Yeah. Well, and I think, Jason, you mentioned it, and both Carl and, and both you both have mentioned this, is communication. I think that's really the, the key there, especially when, when you're talking about doing something a little bit outside the ordinary. And it's, it's, the, it's the, the company talking to their CPA and, and the bank and getting everyone in the same room and what makes sense and what doesn't make sense so that uh, there's, a, there's a plan in place as... Uh, as, as they make those decisions. Uh, Carlin, you mentioned leasing versus buying when it comes to equipment. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on that and, and maybe some of the yeah. benefits or, 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 or some of the analysis that goes into that? Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's equipment is something a lot of contractors need for various reasons. And there's always, um, you know, should I rent it? Should I buy it? 
And, you know, one of the major things that, you know, doesn't necessarily show up in the, the dollars is utilization of that equipment. Mm -hmm. So how often are you going to use it? So the per day cost may be lower, um, but, you know, are you using it 50 days out of the year and it's sitting in your yard the rest and you got to maintain it? Sure. Um, you know, when you take that into account, it may make more sense to rent it. The problem now is, is that you have, um, one, it's hard to find the equipment to rent. Two, it's also hard to find the equipment to buy. So, um, you know, those are some of those things when you do these analyses that's hard to factor into them. But utilization's one, the ongoing maintenance of the equipment. Um, you know, it's hard to find people, it's hard to find mechanics. Um, you know, you have to, if you don't have that in-house, is it just gonna cost you the same amount anyways because you're taking your equipment somewhere else to have somebody maintain it for you? And, um, you know, on the back end, you can always sell it. And then typically, what are you expecting to get for it and factor that into the equation? Because you still have an asset at the end of the day. Um, in some banks, you know, uh, when you have those hard assets versus renting it, it's a little easier to, to borrow. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things to look at with it and, you know, Sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't. And, um, you know, if the goal is to just own it because you think it'd be easier, it's probably not going to be easier. <laughs> it's like anything else. <laughs> That's a good yeah. point. Jason, do you, you want to elaborate on that or, or add to that at all? Yeah, my comments are short. You know, we traditionally are construction managers, sure. self-perform very little work, but we have ran those uh, calculations. Um, and the one thing I would, Carlin mentioned it was, the maintenance of these yeah. is something that people don't always think about. And then the transporting, right? We've we've owned lifts in the past and yeah, it's great, we're gonna be more efficient. And then all of a sudden we gotta take that lift from a job to a job, do we have the right transportation set up? So those are some of the things to consider sure. um, if, if you are looking at a purchase versus a leasing. Yeah, Leasing companies, it, it's more expensive on a per, but they'll pick it up, they'll deliver it, right? And they, they maintain it. So there's definitely, um, there's definitely pros and cons either way. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like buying your first house. It's like, oh, I'm going to save all this money because I'm not renting and yeah. I have an asset. And then your first time you put a roof on it or something, you're like, oh my <laughs> yeah. God, this is, this is pretty expensive. Yeah. yeah. Now, one thing um, some of the viewers may be interested in is, like, I know there's there's changes to uh, the the accounting um, on financial statements for lease accounting that's yep. going to impact businesses and and could really impact. Uh, on the, on the construction side because they're really worried about working capital and leverage ratios um, when it comes to, especially if they, if, if they need any type of bonding. Do you want to talk a little bit about the impact on, on what's yeah. going to be happening and, and what customers should expect or clients yeah. should expect? Yeah, so the beginning of this year, so for statements at the end of this year, um, the standard changed where you're going to have, normally you'd have expense in your income statement, you're going to have an asset and a liability, which doesn't sound like a huge deal unless you have bank covenants that factor in working capital or your sureties looking at working capital and, and some of these other things. When you talk to different people, it's it's kind of like, well, they've thought about it from the banking and surety side, but until it shows up in the statements, no. they don't necessarily want to commit to anything. And we advise our clients to kind of like start talking about it now to figure out, you know, we can pro forma, this is what it would have looked like at the end of 21 had this been in existence for you. 
Um, how does that affect your covenants as they're written now? And then down the road, when this does show up in 2022, um, how do you avoid a potential issue blowing those covenants just because an accounting rule changed no. and the agreement wasn't adapted? In most cases, it shouldn't have a huge impact. I'd recommend, you know, as, as the summer comes along or whenever there's time, is to just have your accountant kind of pro form out what it would have looked like, run those numbers through your covenant calculators, send them to your surety. It's a good time to have your surety take you out to play golf or something and talk about, hey, this is one of those, this is, this is what it's going to look like later. Is there anything we can do now so we don't yeah. have a problem down the road when I'm trying to get a bond or trying to get financing. No, I think you're absolutely right. And there's where communication comes into play again, because I think the question they can ask, and it's both to the surety and the bank, is are gap statements required or not? And because it could be a cost difference in preparing mm -hmm. them and a little more sophistication. But I think there's, there could be cases where they're not required. And so that's where you want to have those conversations early and start planning on that, because that is going to be a, a real event uh, that's going to happen at the end of this year. So looking past this year into the future, um, Jason, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to you on this one, is where do you see construction going? And, and I mean, we, we, you, know, you hear about green, going green and, yeah, and all sure. of that. Is, is that something that you think is really going to happen, or is it just a... a, a another path that, that people are going to go. So into the future, um, I'm optimistic on construction. I still think that there's a huge runway, whether it's renovations or, or, or new build, um, whether it's schools, healthcare, manufacturing. Um, so in general, I'm very optimistic on it. When it comes to, um, you know, different ways to get a project finance, right? Um, and you mentioned green. You know, we've seen a couple projects um, looking at PACE financing, which is really um, associated with building a facility that has less energy demands. Yes. And there's some um, um, financing associated with that, or it's historic tax credits. There's a lot of historical buildings across the state, and there's a state agency that, or even federal funds that will give you extra dollars towards your project to um, renovate or refurbish certain aspects, whether it's windows or masonry facade. So I think there's definitely um, creative ways to continue to do um, these, these types of projects. Yeah, especially as costs continue to rise. Absolutely. I think that's gonna be a challenge is, is how do you look at ways to do things uh, more efficiently and more economically or, or save money on, on other areas to help compensate for, for those rising costs. And another is, is going to these communities and, and, and tax increment financing. These, these communities are, are really wanting more business and, they're, and, and so they're looking at creative ways to um, help these customers make these projects reality. Yeah. So it's just every every day, it seems like there's a new creative way to get some extra funds to make a job get over that, that no. goal line. Yeah, and, and I think one word of advice would be is is if you're starting a project, I would always go to the your local port authority and people don't realize that even yeah. though they aren't surrounded by water that a lot of the communities still have a port authority you can go to and you can get uh, some type of credits there as well as for, for sales tax credit where, you, where you're not paying sales tax on, mm -hmm. on the new material that you're buying. And that could be very beneficial um, from that standpoint. Sales tax implications, yeah. the Ohio cat tax implications, you know, you can avoid, if you don't build that in and you assume it's gonna be tax free and then sure. it's not, so take a pretty big hit. 
And but spending the time up front to make it tax free can help you give you that edge to get that project because sure. you know you may come in lower than somebody else who didn't consider it that way, and then everybody's happy. Um, but yeah, I mean it's you know almost like anything else government wise, it's like you do it a certain way, you get the um, benefit. No. You miss it by this much, you're getting charged sales tax. Yeah, exactly, so. exactly. Well, I think, again, you mentioned analysis, and, and I think that's going to be key, whether it's pace or, or, or the credits you go, because there's going to be a cost in, in, in going down those routes, additional costs, I should say, that you have to analyze and make sure you can get to, it's worth your while. So. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, we have a, a client that the, they've done a ton of business in upgrading HVAC systems just solely by showing the energy savings it'll create. Sure. And then you can get financing that, um, you know, the payments are less than the savings. And basically, you're, you're making money by upgrading is the way that it's sold. And in most cases, it's true. It's like you take a system or lighting or something that's 50 years old and update it with new technology and the energy savings are huge. And, um, you know, you don't, it's one of those things of, these days, seems like most people don't necessarily go green to go green. Sure. They, more getting that energy efficiency to save money. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, and you may not even be aware it exists in some cases. And that's where, you know, talk industry events and presentations and things like that can kind of give you an idea of this is out there and these are the potential savings sure. I could have from doing so. And then when well, energy prices spike like they have, um, you know, it looks even better. No, no. Now, we talked a lot uh, today and covered a lot of topics. Is there anything either want to, want to bring up uh, that we haven't covered? You know, getting a contractor in early, there's a lot sure. of different ways to, to do that, whether it's design, build, um, there's construction manager at risk. Um, and those are, you know, the traditional hard bid world where you design it and then you put it out to bid. Um, I see a lot of issues with that delivery model. So getting a contractor involved, whether it's design build or CMR, where they're, they're working on estimates, they're keeping the pulse of um, where the subcontractor market is, you can phase projects that way. And I, I honestly, I spend a lot of time educating clients on those delivery models and, and the win-win um, that we see in those type of delivery models and, and you know, delivering successful projects. So something I just wanted to mention there. Good, no, yeah. great, that, that's good. So one thing I, I, I'll ask uh, each one of you too is, is as you look, what, what advice would you give? I'm gonna give this one for, for you, Jason, what advice would you give clients that are looking to start a new project or whether it's brand new build or renovation? Yeah, and honestly, it goes back to what we were talking about. It's start early, find a team that, that fits um, your personality and, and that can communicate well. Um, in the good times and bad. Again, yeah. I think that's where we really prove ourselves is when, when there's a challenge, when something doesn't go as expected, how do we handle that? How do we prove our value there? So starting early and um, getting comfortable with that team is, um, is highly recommended. Okay. And then Carlin, what, what, yeah. uh, what advice would you give to contractors out there um, as, as they um, look into the future? Yeah, I mean, you know, just we always kind of show up and throw cold water on plans and things like that because we're the accountants, but we're trying to, to you know, reduce risk down the road. No. So, you know, as, as projects may get pushed up because of interest rates and things like that, what's going to happen on the back end because that work is happening now. So, and just 
making sure you're looking at things like backlog and bid opportunities and stuff like that to, to be prepared for a slowdown if it slows down, um, things like that. And then, you know, just um, technology adoption and being aware of what's out there that may make your business a little more efficient or data collection efforts. Um, every business creates data and then how are you collecting it and looking at it? Um, and then how's that going to help you run your business? Or, you know, we have some clients that still, you know, when we go out there to do their work, point to the file cabinet. It's a job file that's this thick. Everything's handwritten. And, you know, you try to tell them that these days when it's harder to find people, trying to, to make some of these processes less manual via technology or whatever, is, it's not, you're not cutting down on your workforce. You're just able to give people time to do things that are more value added than um, some total numbers on a timesheet or something like that. There's software that does that these yeah. days. So, you know, just positioning yourself for the future, you know, being aware that there could always be a downturn and sure. kind of managing your business that way. And then not being kind of penny wise and pound foolish. Um, I was talking to Jason a little earlier and there's a, a software out there that can save people a lot of time. Um, job owners that use it really like it because they get digital kind of blueprints that can be updated in real time. And some people aren't willing to pay the, the I think it was what, $25,000 yeah. for that? Um, because they don't necessarily see the value in it until they go to replace a pipe in 20 years and they can't find the pipe because they didn't, the drawings that they're using, somebody had to move it at the last minute and it didn't get updated in those drawings. Whereas the digital model is a lot easier to drill down and find oh, things wow. and stuff like that. So I mentioned that in the sense of, you know, it may save you a few dollars today, but it may cost you a lot more down the road. No, that's a good point. And then, and then you brought up something we didn't even touch on um, was workforce and, and, and challenges around that. I know, Jason, you want to comment on what you're seeing and, and maybe how you're trying to overcome some of those challenges? Yeah, so it's uh, it's a great topic and it's something that we've we've talked a lot about, whether it's from a subcontractors and in, in trying to get new um, talent into the trades, sure. right? So something that we've done, um, a lot of the schools that we're building, we're, we're syncing up with their career education program and, and showing these high schoolers that there's opportunities in the trades to make a good living, right? Being a carpenter or electrician, those types of things. So we're trying to do our part to you know, get that next generation of, of um, skilled labor out there. Um, and then as far as, as Summit, it's, it's, you're always looking for good people and no. uh, especially as we've grown as a company. So it's not just the compensation, it's what kind of culture do you, um, you have at your company and, and all the other things that come yeah the dollars are always important but yeah. we we pride ourselves in our culture and that's something that uh i think makes us a little different so yeah you, you mentioned uh going to career centers and and, and reaching out to get the, the students that are working towards a trade and those are those are careers that kind of have have dwindled and and you can make a good living um, probably, probably a lot more than you can make going to college in, in, in a lot yeah. of cases. So I, I really think that's some way we got to continue to get that message out uh, yeah. to, to the younger viewers out there. And you'd be surprised. I mean, the, the awareness of what you can do in the construction world, and it's not just that you get architects, engineers and consultants oh. and all this. There's a, there's a, there's a whole career and all kinds of opportunities. And, and a lot of it's just exposure and, and, 
you know, showing them that there's opportunities out oh. there. And that's, you know, whether it's in Northeastern Ohio in our Columbus office, that's, that's a big pride of ours and we're trying to continue to, again, do our part. Yeah. Carlin, do you have any, any advice for contractors out there when it comes to you know, trying to find good employees? Yeah, or, or, I mean, or have you seen anything that, that other people it, have done? So like Jason mentioned, you get more involved in that pipeline recruiting process, whereas you may have waited until they were out there looking for a job themselves. Now it's trying to get people to look for that job. Yeah. By showing them, you take you know job site visits with high school classes or apprenticeship programs that exist, or even creating your own apprenticeship program and getting it certified. Um, there are a lot of things out there that, that you could do, and it's just then on the flip side, it's going to take more of your time to do something that you didn't really have to pay a lot of attention to in the past. So how do you create yeah. that? But yeah, it's managing that pipeline and not um, leaving it up to chance you know, being more involved and being more um, intentional about getting people on track to come to, to your company. Yeah. Well, I think it's all about developing people and training them once they get there, is, is putting those programs in place, because that's key. Because you always hear no one ever leave, leaves their job, they leave their boss, right? It's, it's, it's typically what it is, so good. Yeah. Well, thank you both for joining us today. I, it, was a, it was a good topic to, to cover, and I think timely, um, as we've seen all the challenges that are, that are out there. But one thing I always ask my guests before they leave is, is what's on your watch list? So this is something that's top of mind that, that you'd like to share that um, viewers may think are, like you, you, you think is important for viewers to know about. And it doesn't have to be technically towards construction. It can be anything. So I don't Jason, we'll start with you. Yeah, so a good resource that I like to track is uh, ABI, which is the Architectural Billing Index. Yeah. Um, it really kind of gives us a roadmap of where, how, how the designs are six months in advance of when we actually start our project. So it's really okay. been a good historical data indicator for us to kind of let us know where the construction world's going. Um, and then just the, the material pricing, right? Whether you're, you're looking, there's there's all kinds of different websites and, and resources but we're constant our team's tracking you know where steel's at where metal studs are at where wood's sure. at so from a construction aspect i think it's vitally important to have that pulse and uh you know keep your eye on where all these materials are hence the conversation yeah today. exactly carlin what's on on your watch list just um you know interest rate indexes um inflation indexes commodity pricing because um, even outside of construction you know manufacturers it's always interesting what people are using to make their products that they don't realize that they are buying until oh. the price spikes and then they're they're all over it so pay a lot of attention to those and you know just outside of that um you know as there's more and more money out there um multiples for acquisitions we're always kind of paying attention to that because we'll have clients approach us and say hey we're thinking about buying a business or transitioning to the next generation what's a good price to use and you can try to prepare them for um, maybe what they're going to be competing with if private equity is involved or, um, you know, what's realistic about payout versus when you kind of sell it to your, your uh, son or daughter or whatever your plan is. Um, but, yeah, paying attention to those and, you know, the higher they climb, the more everybody's like, what's going on? Who would pay 18 times earnings for any business? And, yeah. You know. <laughs> How do you explain that to somebody when they're when they're um, out there trying to find a, a strategic add-on to their existing business? 
Well, good. Well, again, thank you both for, for joining me here today. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having us. Sharing Knowledge is brought to you by Westfield Bank, hosted by Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer. From the imagination and creativity of Chris Van Osdale, Elise Love, Suzanne Favory, Corinne Wilson, Kartika M. Caffey, the marketing and communications strategist at Westfield Bank. Produced, edited, and mixed by Shark and Minnow. Learn more at westfield-bank.com forward slash SKS. Sharing knowledge and shedding light on the financial industry to empower financial freedom. The Sharing Knowledge series of videos, podcast episodes, and articles are for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as legal, tax, financial investment, accounting, or regulatory advice. Opinions expressed and third-party information shared herein do not reflect the opinions of Westfield Bank, Westfield Group, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. The information shared does not constitute nor is intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any product or service. Testimonials may not be representative of the experience of other customers and are not guarantees of future performance or success. Bank products and services provided by Westfield Bank, member FDIC, an equal opportunity lender.